This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanol, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Sometimes we can do all of the right things and still feel like something's missing. We can reach all the milestones and exceed the benchmarks we set for ourselves, only to realise that we're blindly following someone else's measure of success. That's how our next guest once felt, until she discovered she could make a living following her passions. I'm so excited to invite Ruby Wang onto the show today. She's the founder and CEO of Nudie Glow, Australia's leading Korean beauty and skincare store. In this episode, we dive deep into why Ruby finally stopped playing by the rules, her advice to first-time business owners, and how she started Nudie Glow with just curiosity, determination, and a Google search bar. For those of you who haven't yet, Make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Ruby Wang. Ruby, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Of course. No, oh my goodness. I'm I'm so keen for this. So, you know, you and I connected through one of our past podcast guests, Nick Chang. Um, And when I looked into you and the awesome work you're doing at Nudie Glow, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no, it's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Cool. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm Ruby Wang, the founder and CEO of Nudie Glow, an online retailer curating Korean beauty and skincare for the Australian market. We also provide lots of like education and currently trying to build a community for all the beauty lovers around Australia. I love it. Sounds even cooler when you say it back to me. <laughs> um, look, I'm so excited to dive deeper into that, Ruby. But before we do, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? That's a uh, great question. I've never been asked that. Um, so I guess um, it goes back to, you know, when I was... Seven. I, I was born in China, 
And at the age of seven, my parents decided to move to Australia, Melbourne. So we made the big move to a foreign country and mom didn't speak a word of English and dad was here to study his PhD. And they thought it was a great opportunity to bring me over and basically start all over again. And like any other Chinese immigrant, you know, families, they had to, you know, work three to four jobs at a time just to survive in this country. So I guess from a very young age, I I saw how they worked um, day and night. And, you know, I, I had to help them every night after school as well. So I guess from a very young age, I kind of had the ambition to work hard so we can, you know, have a better future. And um, that continued throughout school, um, uni, and then I ended up in the corporate world, which is where every Asian parent probably want their kids to be because they don't want the kids to go through what they've been through. So I guess that's where, um, that that's my journey growing up. Mm. Huge. I didn't know you were born in China. That is awesome. Whereabouts in China were you are you from? Um, so I'm from a province called Hunan, so just the southern part of China. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. I um I actually studied Chinese at university and so I'm very I've done a bit, couple of stints in China and it's I I find it the most fascinating place. Just so many people, such a, a cool energy. I studied in Shanghai for a little bit. And um, so I find that super interesting that that's where you're from, that's where you grew yeah. up. And then kind of at age seven, you had to relocate. How, what do you think that taught you that having to readjust and kind of grow up in a new city? What do you think that taught you about yourself and the world around you? I think because of that, I've actually moved back and forth between China more than once. So I had to adapt to new school, new environment, new friends every three years. And also the language, I guess, you know, growing up had, you know, know, at age seven I had to start learning English. And at age 10 I had to go back and pick up Chinese again. So that really taught me how to, I guess, um, adapt and also... um, independent in the way that you know you just have to pick up things and learn faster to um, survive in a new environment yeah I guess that really helped with building a business because you never know what's what you put yourself into and then you have to adapt to the new environment mm. It, it's so, so true. And I often find that travel or travel is like secondary, but like moving your life to a yeah. new city in general, let alone being at, you know, such a young age is that adapt. Yeah, you have to learn to adapt. You have to learn to, you know, how am I going to actually make this work in a new place, these new people, new language for you? Um, what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who, you know, feel really uncomfortable when, you know, they're in a different situation or, you know, when they're in a different city, they don't really know much about it? Like, what advice would you give around learning to adapt? Oh, that's a hard one because I guess when I was younger, I had my parents and, you know, a family and um, wasn't old enough to really understand. Mm. So just, um, but growing up, I guess... Um, the best way is to find people, like, support around you. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Once you have that support, you can go to these people if you are struggling or have any questions or problems. Yeah, I think having that support network is really important no matter where you are. Mm. How do we find that support network? 
Uh, I mean, when I first started my business, I was, you know, a single founder, so mm-hmm. it was very hard. None of my friends really had their own startup or um, or family. You know, they they didn't really get what I was trying to do. So, um, the good thing is nowadays there are lots of network, you know, events that. So I went to most of them that. Um, um, and met a lot of uh, amazing women, especially because um, I tend to go to the women-focused ones. Yeah. Um, and and then obviously I applied for Melbourne Accelerator Program, which you know um, is a great startup community. So got into that, and that really um, expanded my network. And I think if you you know you are serious about starting a business or um, trying to connect with people. Nowadays, there are so many channels that you can go to, like even LinkedIn, like, you know, people are so easy to connect with Mm. now. Mm. So true. It's half my podcast guests from LinkedIn. Thank you, LinkedIn. (laughs) Um, No, I absolutely love that. Look, I want to dive a bit deeper into that kind of early years in university and then the transition into corporate, because I find that time really interesting. So, Look, you went to Melbourne Uni here in here in Melbourne, obviously, and you studied Bachelor Com, um, Commerce, Actuarial Studies. Where did that desire to study that come from and how was your time at uni? Like, what was that like for you? So I guess a lot of people are surprised when I tell them what my background is. Growing up, as I mentioned, I was really focused on, you know, getting good grades, mm. getting to, you know, good university and getting to good corporate job um so I didn't know any different I guess my parents didn't didn't encourage me to start my own business <laughs> even though they did like you know five years later they wow. thought that's the way to change you know if we want to change our lives we had to um, they had to do something themselves so they actually have gone through that entrepreneurial path but they never encouraged me to do it because it must have been tough. Mm. Um, so uh, I guess in high school, I realised I was great at maths and that's, you know, okay, what, are you, what, what, mm. what job suits you if you are good at this particular subject? And actuarial came up as a, you know, high demand you know, career choice. So, yeah, I just got, you know, um, got into commerce, actuarial studies and did the three years at uni. Um, I mean, looking back, I don't think it was the most exciting course or I, re- I didn't really enjoy it, but it was just one of those things that, okay, I think this is what I was meant to do and this is the path, you know, the best path for me. So I finished up the course, got into corporate world and stayed for about seven years before mm. I realised, hey, on a second, I don't really love this job. And I can't see myself doing this forever. If I was going to change my, you know, my life, I better do it now or before it's too late. Huge. Absolutely huge. And I think it's so normal. You know, I mean, I was exactly the same. It was you go to a good school, you get good grades, you go to a good university, you study, for me it was finance and languages, and then you go to a, you know, you get a good job. And I think that it's super normal. It's not that that's a wrong path to take. I just think that I find it so interesting asking the question of, you know, when you kind of realise that, hang on, this isn't for me, what am I going to do next? So 
talk us through that time there. So, you know, you're seven years into your corporate career, you know, climbing the ranks, doing super well. You know, where did this kind of inkling to to change it up and just quit and go and start a business? Like, where did that come from? I think this partially had something to do with social media. <laughs> so while I was working... Um, this, you know, app called Instagram came up. <laughs> and, Good um, old Insta. <laughs> yeah, so I jumped on Instagram straight away and realised I love photography. So that's when I had a passion for photography and I enrolled in a part-time photography course. Thought this might be the creative outlet I'll, you know, have outside of work. And um, I guess over time, that interest in social media um, build up and soon I realised there, there are a bunch of people out there doing what they love mm. and still making a living. <laughs> what am I doing here, sitting in my cubicle, um, you know, working on Excel t- like every day? So I thought, okay, this is, uh, you know, if people out there can make a uh, living out of their passion, why can't I do the same? Um, so I guess that's when I started exploring other career paths. At the time, I didn't think about business because um, I just just had no experience. So um, when I decided to quit my job, my first um, alternative was digital marketing. Yeah, so as soon as I quit my job, I enrolled myself in a digital marketing course, trying to pick up some marketing skills and um, see if that suited me better um, and I guess um, it just happened by chance that I was in Asia during that time and I came across Korean beauty and I was like fascinated by the, the trend or the craziness you know of K-beauty and um, I did a bit of research and realized there was a you know a massive gap in the Australian market at the time and decided to just um, launch the business and see if that would take me anywhere. Huge. I find it so interesting how it just was like by chance. You were like, obviously this was something you thought about. You quit your job before you even had the idea, which is huge. You know, usually people are like, what's next? You know, people were probably asking you, your parents, you know, like, what what are you doing? Like your parents probably like, "What, what is happening? You know, and how did you deal with that at the same time? It's funny you mention my parents because I didn't tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, mum and dad. (laughs) It's all out now. (laughs) So when I quit my job, I did not tell them that. And um, for about six months, um, I couldn't hide it anymore after six months because I was launching my business. I was traveling to Korea (laughs) and my mom's calling my work and no one's picking up. Um, She's like, oh, your work must be so flexible. They let you go on holidays all the time. Um, Because I knew that they wouldn't uh, really support that change because um, it's not what they expected of me. Um, So, yeah, I didn't want that pressure. So I didn't tell them. Even though after I told them, I got a good six months of, like, pressure afterwards. So, um, yeah. (laughs) So funny. I, I, I mean, look, I think it comes to it comes to a point and we always have these kind of discussions around how our parents influence us and how do we kind of still do what we want to do without. And sometimes, I mean, 
sometimes I think it's just we have to realise that we are our own person yeah. and that we do have, you know, the ability to just go, you know what, this is this is something I want to do. But, I mean, I won't lie, that could not have been easy for you. How did you kind of get through that and gain the courage to just go, you know what, stuff it, I'm just going to do this? You mean the quitting? Yeah, and just not telling your parents about it. It was a really scary time, I mm. guess, but I think at the time... Um, I was feeling miserable at work and um, the fear wasn't enough to stop me um, because I knew that if I was going to, you know, um, continue my corporate path, I'm not going to end up happier. And if there was a time to give something a shot, um, you know, the earlier, the better. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay, so let's dive deep into Nudie Glow. So you're in Korea, you're seeing, you know, K-beauty, it's all happening. What were the first few steps you took to kind of get Nudie Glow up and going and and started? Um, So as I mentioned, I was really into Instagram at the time. So the first thing I did was open an Instagram account. Because to me, I think starting a business um, can be very costly and the easiest way to, I guess, prove the concept or find out if there's a need for your product is social media nowadays. So six months before launch, I started my Instagram page trying to get some traction to see if people were actually interested in the business idea concept. And by the time we launched, we already had like 5,000 followers, which was amazing. So that really proved the concept, Um, people wanting Um, Korean beauty in Australia Um, and then once that is established I guess I I just cold emailed yes (laughs) love a good cold email yeah basically went through like 100 emails um, all these Korean suppliers brands and um, at the time I didn't even have a website because that was the last thing I thought I'll do before I established these um, supply supplier relationships and um as soon as like five suppliers replied Mm. me saying yes you're the first Australian business to contact us we'd love to work with you I immediately booked a ticket and flew over to Korea to meet these um brands and I guess um it, it started really slowly like you know two brands three brands four brands at a time and because you know um when I started, I really wanted to build a community and a great brand, not just about selling. Um, that really um, resonated with a lot of our followers. And yeah, everything just um, started like building from that. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because I think so many of us have these ideas. You know, we have these awesome, cool ambitions outside of kind of the normal trajectory. And But it's very rare, I'm finding, for people to actually go out and do it and, and stay in it at the beginning when it's really tough. Yeah, so I think that my question to you is, what advice would you give to, you know, our peers out there listening? Maybe they've started, maybe they're a month or two months in, they've got the Instagram set up, they're, you know, talking to suppliers or they're talking to, you know, manufacturers or whatever it may be, but they're realising that it's a lot harder than they thought. What advice would you give to them? Um, so for the first half a year to a year, it will definitely be tough mm. unless you're a genius, you've done it before, you have all the help. Um, so I think a l- 
lot of times, like a lot of people just can't get through that first mm. year. I think that's the toughest um, period. Um, and also, I guess if you are, you know, jumping into a business or starting something, you really have to be passionate about what you're doing. If it's purely for, you know, a business idea that makes you money, that's not going to last, you know, throughout through the tough times. Um, finding that support network at the from the beginning will really help as well. Um, and also, like, I started with no business background. Mm. So I had to Google everything. And, but I loved God it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. Um, yeah. And I guess I treated it as a learning experience. Mm. I didn't, you know, um, every time I learn about, you know, SEO or mm. learn about Google AdWords and Facebook ads, I feel like I achieved something mm. rather than, oh, this is too hard. I need help. So, yeah, so from the very beginning, I learned everything. And um, even now, up to this point, three years later, we're still, we are still only a two-people you know, two team because I, I just do everything. And I love it because I feel like I've achieved that um, myself. And yeah. So cool. And I couldn't agree more. I think it is it's how you see it, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, if you see it as just, I'm giving this a shot, it's a growing and learning experience yeah. and I'm going to develop as a person, then, you know, every win, every little thing you learn is like a win, you know, which is which is always so great. Super interesting. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about one of your greatest, I guess, failures or struggles throughout this time. So when, you know, the first year, when you got through the first year, you finally made it through and then things started to ramp up for you. Was there something that happened that you kind of thought, oh goodness, I wish I would have done something differently throughout this process? I'm kind of struggling to think of a failure, which I think is a good thing. thing. Um, (laughs) But I think one of the hardest thing is hiring. For me, you know, I've had to hire and then fire like two weeks later. And to me, that's the toughest um, thing to do. Um, And that's why I haven't really hired much um, because I'm just scared of um, hiring the wrong people or even the fact that I have to give up control or like give up like, um, you know, part of my business and trust someone else to do it. So, um, yeah, so I've had a few hires that didn't go well and had to fire quickly. And Mm. so that's probably the toughest uh, part of, you know, owning your own business. Mm. Mm. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's almost like, you know, people probably thinking, oh, that's such a great problem to have to hire. And, but it, yeah. at the time, you know, at the time it, it is, it's so difficult because you're letting someone in on something that you've spent so long building that it's like your whole life, you mm. know, and it's your little baby. And it's like, you know, they're obviously not going to care as, as much about it as you are, but it's so hard to accept that at times. Yeah, <laughs> I've, yeah super cool, super, super interesting. And I completely appreciate that. Okay, so I want to dive a bit deeper into the transition. Yep. So from the struggle and that first year to how you grew Nudie Glow, like talk us through what are the couple of things that you did to kind of really take it to that next level? Oh, that's, um, I guess, uh, comes down to a lot of things. First of all, I, I think I got the timing really 
right? I entered the market at a great time where just before Korean beauty was about to kick off in Australia, um, I've already established a business. So that really worked in my favour. Um, and as I mentioned, I had to learn everything from, you know, SEO, Google Ads and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess for me, what I had to do was, you know, do one thing at a time and make sure it's, you know, um, perfect. Or um, So I started with SEO um, we, you know, just with the intention of getting our business on Google, <laughs> I just read pages and pages about SEO and studied it and how it works, the algorithm, and then applied that to the business. And after a month, you know, when that's set up, we moved to the next traction channel. So that's how I built the business step by step. And I guess over this, over, um, over time, our social media you know, really grew up, like, and the community really grew. And with the focus of community, Mm -hmm. I think that really helped as well. Um, And people love our products, love our service, and they just, word of mouth is another big one. So I think everything just adds up, like, um, and it it just kind of had that snowball effect where, you know, one person loved it, they spread it to 10, and 10 more people will spread it to 100. And um, and obviously we had to back it up with great products and service so people keep coming back um, and and I guess um, some publications picked us up as well mm. along the way that really helped us um, establish our brand in the market and mm. yeah. <laughs> such an exciting time and I love the hearing about that transition from when it was really tough and no one was really buying and you were trying to set up your brand and it was only you for a whole year every day (laughs) um you know you quit your job it's not like there's you know it's not like you're sitting on a pile of money you know I think that's what people kind of forget when they see a company like yours that's obviously killing it on socials selling out you know it looks I mean you're you're now that I've jumped on your website I I keep getting all your ads on like socials and I'm like oh my god I love this (laughs) you know but you know because it's so set up so well um and I think people forget about that what advice would you give to our peers out there who get really impatient with the process and they want it to happen in two months or three months, what advice would you give to them? Uh, well, first of all, it would never be that fast. So you have to be patient in this business world because you have to think that you're not the only one trying to build a business. There's a lot of competition and, and you know, customers are not just going to, you know, come to you overnight and you have to figure out where, you know, how to position your business, um, where to focus on first, where your customers are at and how you're going to get to those customers. And it's not an easy, it's not easy to figure out straight away. It took me like six months to realise what my customers really want and where they are um, in them, you know. You have to go find them and... um, testing and retesting things like multiple times just to get it right I think that's also um, just patience in the process Um, because as I said I see it as a learning experience you know when my SEO 
strategy worked, I was like, yes, that's like <laughs> score. Yeah, <laughs> I I wasn't you know I wasn't really focused on oh how many customers I got mm. from that. It's more like yes, I achieved something that I would have never achieved if I didn't you know do it myself. Um, and you know you can't rely on other people to do it for you if you at the sp- at the beginning you, you really have to like figure it out yourself and mm. and set your business up for growth later. Mm. Oh, I love that. Oh, Ruby, so much, so much wisdom that you have and so many great learnings that we're, that we're getting today. Um, but look, as we come to the close of today's episode, I, I just want to kind of give everyone a bit of a background of all the awesome, you know, media you've been featured in. So look, Ruby, over the last three years, Nudie Glow has grown to become Australia's leading Korean beauty store. You guys have been featured in the likes of Elle magazine, Cosmopolitan, Harper's Bazaar, you know, and it's it's clear that you've really hit a niche and you've found your audience, which is super cool to see. So look, I guess I just want to say, what are the leaving our audience now, what are the three key pieces of advice that you'd give to them around around starting a business and not even more, more so than that, around gaining the courage to follow their passion? I guess I've always said um, if you want to, you know, if you have an idea, if you want to do something, just do it. Give it a try. You never know how it's going to, you know, turn out if you don't um, give it a shot. Um, I did not expect, you know, to start a business, but I gave it a shot. Um, so that's probably the biggest one mm. um, for someone who wants to jump into a business. Mm. Um, but also, I guess, if you do have commitments outside of, you know, like in your personal life that you can't give up your work for, then mm. maybe start as a start it on the side mm. that uh, don't be like me and quit and jump into it straight away so that's probably another tip if you want to start something I guess also when you do start a business be um, be as transparent be as genuine as you can as a business owner I find that really um, helps if you're starting a small business because customers can see through all that um, you want to be a you want to a st- like start a business that's that hopefully improves you know our society or our world rather you know you want that positive impact and as soon as customers see that or feel that your business is like more likely to be successful mm, I love it oh so cool I absolutely love this look what's next for nudie glow ruby tell us oh that's a hard one because, you know, I'm expecting a baby and yes. really can't, can't uh, know for sure what that baby is going to be like. So whether I have, um, you know, um, time to think about other plans. But hopefully, you know, within the next two years, we'll be able to either go global or start our own product range. We we're not too sure yet, but mm. um, it's exciting mm. that, you know, there are lots of possibilities for us. Of yeah. Course. And talk to me about this pregnancy. I always love female founders in general and the fact that you're pregnant and you're running this awesome business. I'm like, oh my goodness. Talk to us about that. Like that's going to be huge for you. 
Yeah, I mean, this is my first pregnancy, so now I really admire all mm. those mothers out there. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, mother or working moms or, mm. yeah, so, um, yeah, r- really appreciate what mm. mothers do now. Um, mm. And I think for me, yeah, it's a real challenge mm-hmm. as well. Just trying to figure out, you know, how to um, you know, manage my time once the baby comes, and even leading up to, you know, to birth. There's has been a bit of a struggle mm-hmm. lately uh, because of the energy and um, yeah. But I think it's a great experience, and I'm super proud that I'm I'm doing this while having a business. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, kudos to all the moms out there mm. and all the women, um, yeah, in business and mm. oh. <laughs> juggling multiple things at once. It's exactly right. And you're doing such a good job of it. Oh, Ruby, look, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for all the phenomenal work you've done and that you're doing for, you know, being a, almost a working mum, you know, carrying a child, bringing a child into the world while also trying to juggle the demands of business and your company and the future. It's it's so inspiring to see and we really appreciate you for that. Oh, thank you so much. Of yeah. course. So look, as we come to the close of today's episode, I want to end with the question that I end every single episode here at the Peers to Peers podcast. And that question is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, that's a great question. A few things coming to my mind. There's obviously the freedom, happiness that comes with you know doing something you're passionate about. And also, I think the most important one for me is fulfillment, mm. especially while we are, what we're trying to achieve is not just, you know, selling Korean beauty, but we really want to change um, people's lives, you know, by helping them on their skincare journey. And often we do get feedback from customers saying, oh, you've changed my life with your products. I love your, you know, um, my skin feels so much better now that I've you know, use Nudie Glow. So that really makes me like happy and I feel like I have achieved something and helped someone in um, by doing this business. And end of the day, that makes me, yeah, satisfied and fulfilled mm. and just want to keep doing that, I guess, mm. yeah. Oh, I love it. Ruby, ladies and gentlemen, oh, Ruby, we've had a blast. Where can people learn more about you and Nudie Glow? Um, Nudie Glow... Dot com is where is our website and you can find us on you know, Instagram, Facebook at Nudiglow or if you want to um, find you know me, it'll be <laughs> at the Ruby Canvas on Instagram. Love that. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks again, Ruby. We've had a blast. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played 
and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>